Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. Uh, this series, we've been into it for almost a half a year now, is really, it's all about uh, encouraging you to get closer uh, in your walk with the Lord, to, to be uh, and develop the hearts and the mindset and the habits and the attitudes and the disciplines of disciples, uh, because as we do that, we experience life to the full that Jesus talked about, the abundant life that he talked about. Life is so busy. It's so easy not to be um, connected to God the way that we should be because everything comes up. We get busy with families and work and, and just uh, everything that happens throughout the day. But there's something about taking 15 or 20 minutes at the beginning of every day and developing that habit, that discipline of connecting with God that will impact you throughout the day. It will change the way that you go through your days. It will change the way that you look at life. And yet, because we live in a culture where everything is so push-button and we, we just turn on buttons and things start coming at us and overwhelming us, um, our relationship with God isn't like that. It has to be nurtured. It has to be developed. There's, it's time that we have to spend. And, and you need to make it, I believe, the first thing that we do. Part of the reason is, a lot of times, if you don't make it the first thing, if you start your day with something else, like you hit that first button and the news starts coming at you, um, there's so much bad news all the time that it just kind of takes you right out of where you need to be and now you've got that heaviness on you. Is, and, and so uh, my encouragement is to, to take those first moments of the day and, and just connect with God. Get a cup of coffee or whatever you need if that's what you need. But, uh, but get started that way. And that as you do that, I, I, I have this uh, firm belief that for most of you, as you do that and you develop that discipline, you'll look forward to it. You'll actually wake up looking forward to it. You'll wake up going, oh yeah, it's time to go and hang out with God. And so that's what this series is all about. We're developing seven sections of scripture and my hope is that these will help you uh, in this uh, process and, and uh, we're developing a little primer that you'll be able to have access to in, in book form or probably on the internet. It's the best way to do it. It's already there, but we're, we haven't got everybody using it yet. Um, and, and uh, to, to do the things we've talked about, to get focused, to get a throne room perspective. We looked at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 for that. And that, um, that we have this awesome uh, opportunity to enter into the literal presence of God at the most holy place. And that we need, to, we need to be doing that with our lives. And then the importance of getting thankful we looked at next in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. And how important it is to have that attitude in our lives instead of sort of the critical, um, you know, if and when sort of situation we often get ourselves worked into. That, that being thankful people changes the way that we move through this life. We talked about getting connected in Matthew uh, chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. And we looked at the Lord's Prayer and saw that as a guide for prayer to help us uh, in the process of kind of staying focused as we pray to Him and make sure we're, we're hitting the high, high points that need to be covered in that of our lives. We just finished up a whole section on getting dressed, which was all about the armor of God and, and uh, preparing us for what's out there and uh, getting us ready to sort of go into the day. The first three sections kind of um, get us really connected to God and then these next three are really about preparing us and then sending us out into the world around us, into the life, you know, into our daily lives. Uh, and and uh, that he prepares us and equips us and is with us to engage in all those things. So today we're going to start 
um, talking about the next section on our primer, which I called Get Encouraging. And we're going to be looking at um, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, which is the love chapter. We, we introduced it a little as we ended the last section. I called it a filter of love, that we need to pass everything through this understanding of what love is. But that if we'll embrace this, we'll become encouraging people, which is what we've often talked about is, is one of the biggest part of our ministries here, is being a ministry of encouragement. It goes along with our mission of one more. And so it's, it's understanding what love looks like and what God's love looks like and how much he loves us that we begin to love others that we're going to talk about today. Before we do, though, I thought I would share with you this. Uh, I got an email and uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, in, in the email, there was a list of things that are called paraprosdokians. I don't know if you've ever heard of paraprosdokians. Um, you probably have and didn't re- re- retain the word unless you're an English major or something. Um, paraprosdokians are figures of speech in which the latter part of a sentence or phrase is surprising or unexpected, frequently used in a humorous situation, which is what we're trying to make happen now. First paraprostokian I have for you. I only have six. The last thing I want to do is hurt you, but it's still on my list. <laughs> See how that, the end part isn't what you expected from the beginning? Number two, since light travels faster than sound, some people appear bright until you hear them speak. <laughs> Number three, if I agreed with you, we'd both be wrong. I like that a lot. You're going to use that, aren't you? Good for you. Number four, we never really grow up. We only learn how to act in public. Number five, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Last one, number six, I didn't say it was your fault. I said I was blaming you. Some of you can relate to that. I won't say why. <laughs> Scripture reading. I know you're thankful for that. That's why I always put the joke before it. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going to be digging into this over the next several weeks. And uh, as I said, this filter, I, I call it of love, it helps us to check out our motivations um, for the things that we do. Uh, people often equate this passage of Scripture with another one, which is about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and 23. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so there you see in the, in the fruit of the Spirit, um, and as disciples who are filled with the Spirit, we've talked about that. These are the qualities that should be being developed in us um, by the, the work and the movement of the Spirit in our lives. And so we, we see a, a lot of the same qualities in the love filter that we see in the fruit of the Spirit. And so this is what's supposed to be happening in the life of a disciple.
So right out of the gate, as we get started with this thing, and I've told you it's one of the hardest ones um, for me to deal with, and it's where I get stuck a lot. Number one, love is patient. Love is patient. Um, Patience, here's a definition for you, is the bearing of difficult problems, people, or situations without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. So you can see why I have trouble with patience. Because when you're honest, you you know, without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, and it's that last little part of the definition that I get stuck on, or the like. Because you're not being patient even if you do what you're thinking under your breath. Uh, That still lacks patience. Apparently we can get to a spot where it really doesn't phase us. And that's what we're shooting at as disciples, that we, we develop this patience in our lives. And yet... We're not very patient. We, and part of that is, again, the culture is so fast and sped up. Everything is a hurry. Everything's hurried up. It's a, it's a I want it now world. I want my food fast. That's why we have microwaves and fast food places. And we complain if we got to wait an extra minute or two for those things. And I've told you uh, before, my, one of my patience factors is is that my microwave always has seconds on it when you walk into the house. Because I put 30 seconds on it, and I pull it off at 23. Why? I can't wait seven more seconds. Close enough! Boof! And, and it's, a, it's, a lack, it's a total lack of patience. It doesn't let the microwave count down seven more seconds. Um, but it's a, it's a reality of how fast I want things. I want my computer to be fast. Oh, man, when my computer isn't doing what I think it's supposed to do, I almost lose my mind. Uh, and it's like... It's still going, but every once in a while, you know that thing spinning? I don't know what version of Windows you have or whatever, but mine, on my computer, this thing spins. Oh, I hate it when it spins because it's not just doing what I want it to do, and I have to stop. And I, I think, you know, these are all learning things for me all the time. It's okay. Still way faster than, you know, using an abacus. I can't even find my abacus, so I've got to wait for the computer. Uh... One day shipping. How wonderful is one day shipping? But now that it's available, I don't like anything less than one day shipping. You know, I have that thing on Amazon Prime, and it, boom, hit a button, one day shipping. It's, I'm fascinated by it. I order something, and the next day, for $4, there it is. It's a shock. Anyway, uh, all these things are coming at us all the time, right? Which, is, which adds to our impatience. We don't like to wait for anything. You know, we, and we judge a lot of stuff by how long we have to wait for it. Standing in line, how long the food took when we went to the restaurant. You know, it's all, it's wait, wait, wait. Here's the thing, though. I've read through the Bible often, and I still can't find a single instance of Jesus running anywhere, ever. He's never in a hurry. Never. And in fact, the only time you think he would really get on it, a lot of times, um, they came and told him that his friend Lazarus is sick. He's about eight miles away. You think he'd hot-foot it over there. And uh, these guys walk all the time. They're in great shape. Well, nothing to do eight miles. Um, he doesn't go for three days. Not in a hurry. And when he goes, he does a miraculous thing and raises Lazarus from the dead. But still, he's just not in a hurry. He stops all the time when he's walking. It's fascinating. That's how he did so much ministry, see? He, because he wasn't in a hurry, he got to see what was happening. We've talked about seeing like Jesus saw. Because he was never in a hurry, he could see what the needs were. And he would stop. He would stop the whole group. Stop. And, and for one person. And minister to them. We see it time after time. People crying out to him on the side of the street. And the crowd's telling them to be quiet. And Jesus going, who was that? Okay, let's go. 
Who touched me? How does he even know? Because he's, he's just not in a hurry. He just wants to do what God wants in his life. And since he's our model for life and ministry, we all have to keep working continually on being patient and not being in a hurry. Now, the way the Apostle Paul wrote these verses in 1 Corinthians, um, he, he wrote them in, in, a, in a format where he introduces something and then in, in the later part of a verse, he, he defines it for us. And he does that with love is patient and love is kind. He defines love being patient in the second part of verse 4. He defines love being kind in verse 5. And so what we're going to talk about today is uh, the second half of that verse, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, for it does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. So we're going to look at those today. All right, so patient love then, point number two, love does not envy. Patient love does not envy. 1 Corinthians 13, 4b, it does not envy. Envy is an interesting thing, and sometimes we confuse it with jealousy, and yet it's not really jealousy. Jealousy is a desire to keep what's yours already. Envy is a desire for the attributes or possessions of another person. That's what envy is. So it's different than jealousy. Jealousy is hanging on too tightly to what you got. Envy is, is wanting what somebody else has or their, their possessions or their attributes. And in some ways, the Bible is a collection of stories about envy. Cain envied Abel. Joseph's brothers envied him. Saul envied David. Um, the events of the fall in Genesis 3 are a picture of envy. Adam and Eve are not satisfied with all they've been given and enjoyed, and they want even more. They want to be like God. And so they fall. They, they do what they should not do. Uh, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. We talked about this uh, well over a year ago. I wanted to bring it up again because I was thinking about the fall and, and the envy thing and, and how we get into such a, a problems with the lack of patience. And C.S. Lewis said this about Adam and Eve. They wanted to be nouns, but they were and eternally must be mere adjectives. And, and it's one of my favorite quotes because I think it's such a great picture of the struggles in, in our life. Our nature, our sin nature, um, stirs up in us and, and causes us to want to be nouns, but we were created to be adjectives. And, and if you've come here at all, you hear me talk about all the time about being a part of his story. But see, in his story, he is the noun. God is the noun, and only God. There's one noun in the story, and the story's all about him. In his story, we're adjectives. And, and an adjective, uh, you know, as a grammar update, are words that describe or modify another person or thing. And so um, for us, in, in this whole idea of uh, lack of patience and about envy, the reality is that life is found as we become the best adjectives we can be. And if we'll take that in and quit struggling to be nouns in our own story and be adjectives in his story, we'll find that we're far more patient and that we, we envy far less because we, we begin to find a place of great contentment in being who we're called to be and what we're created to be. And, and how, does, how does my life as an adjective describing his really begin to fit? Because that's when it all begins to make sense. But if I'm struggling to be a noun when I'm created to be an adjective, I'm never at peace. I'm never at rest. I'm, I'm shooting at something I can't hit. So... We take that on. Life works best when we're living like adjectives and our lives describe the big noun. Point number three. Love does not boast. 
Love does not boast. First Corinthians 13, 4b, it does not boast. Um, boasting is about speaking with exaggeration and excessive pride, especially about oneself. And here's the thing, though. Again, see, so much of this is counterculture. We live in a culture that's all about self-promotion. Everybody thinks they need to promote themselves. And that's what they do all the time. It's what you hear all the time. People are out there promoting, self-promoting, self-promoting, self-promoting. Look at this verse, though. 2 Corinthians 10, 17, and 18. But let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. And there's this great picture of, of, again, what really matters. If we will just allow God to um, be the one that promotes us, he takes care of it. If we get busy actively self-promoting, it just, it just feels so empty uh, and, and it's so frustrating anyway and it pops you back into being a noun when you need to be an adjective. So we have to trust and allow that God is going to um, do in us what needs to be done and begin to find some rest in that in the process. Point number four. Love is not proud. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, the end of it there. It is not proud. Um, I looked up the definition for pride and it was puffed up or full of wind. I like that. It's one of my favorite descriptions of anything. We're not to be full of wind. And uh, it's also having a high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, or superiority. And pride is, a, uh, is one of those ones that troubles most of us at times. And in our pride, um, it will also show up a lot of times in our impatience. Anytime you've been tempted to say something like, well, you know who I am, or in some way try and exalt um, yourself over someone for some ridiculous reason, uh, it's, it's pride popping up, and it's often triggered because of your lack of patience. Because we think it just shouldn't happen to us, we ought to be treated better for whatever reason. And, and uh, it causes us a lot of issues. But James 4, 6 says this, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the thing about pride is, according to that verse, it sets you in direct opposition to God. I don't think any of us would knowingly choose that or willingly choose that and say, oh yeah, I don't mind. But, but the reality is, when we're stuck in our pride, we're in opposition to God, which is not where we want to be. But grace comes to the humble, and more grace, it says. Humility is a personal quality in which an individual shows dependence on God and respect for other people. That's what humility is all about. It's not having people walk all over you, or uh, we have some bad ideas about what it means to be humble or what humility is. It's, it's showing dependence on God, that you can't do it without Him, and respect for other people. That's what it means to be humble. Romans 12.10 says, Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. It's always been one of my favorite verses in the message paraphrase. Uh, I like the idea of playing second fiddle. Practice playing second fiddle. Uh, it's, you know, it's, a, it's an old saying, but it's in an orchestra. There's, there's you know, first violin and second violin, and everybody wants to be first violin, but you need a second violin as well. And... and uh, and it's okay, it's a, it's a part, you're part of the orchestra. And you'll get your shot, you know, if things work out. But rather than, than being all worked up about it, be settled in where God's got you. And then allow him to put you where you need to be. When we kind of settle in him, 
we, my belief is we, we find a lot more patience, particularly with people. Uh, I hope, I really hope that my, my patience level is, is really increased in, in relation sit, situations. It's still not always in things like sitting on my computer. I was very honest with you about my lack of patience for some things. Um, but I, I'm hoping that it's, it's working in, in my, because that's what it's all about. See, and in, in my time with God and waiting on Him and knowing that He's still God and not trying to get ahead of Him. and um, God's amazing, you know, when you wait on Him, the stuff that He accomplishes. We see it around here all the time. We'll talk about something and we'll just be talking about it and all of a sudden it'll happen. We had not even done anything yet. We're trying to figure out how we're going to go about doing it and someone will show up and go, oh yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to go and do that. And we're like, wow, that's cool. Um, that's how God works if we let Him. You know, sometimes we get out there and do stuff, but... It's all part of the process. So, I think um, one of the reasons we really struggle, though, is this question is because we're, we're so used to it in culture. But if I don't look out for number one, who will? If I'm not out there self-promoting, if I'm not out there taking care of all this stuff and, and, and making all these things happen, then, you know, who's going to take care of me? And the answer is he does. He does. And he wants you to trust him. And, and as you trust him, see, because he's the big noun, he takes care of the adjectives. And that's where, where we find life. So I want to encourage you to process that. Keep thinking about the filter of love in the days ahead and, and hang on to that thought and, and, and uh, what's going on with that and start, you know, really trying to challenge yourself when you're, when you're making decisions and moving through your day and interacting with people and, and you start feeling your, your lack of patience pop up. Just run through the verse real quick. It'll stop you. Love is patient. Oops. Love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud, isn't rude, isn't self-seeking, isn't easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Just run through it in your brain. You'll stop. And you'll find that you're, you're way more in tune with what he's doing and where life is to be found as his kids, as his disciples following after him. Amen? Amen. All right. If you're watching on uh, television or by video, thank you so much for spending your time with us. If you need prayer or anything, why don't you just go ahead and go to the website and, uh, and you can get a hold of us and we'll be praying for you. And we appreciate you spending your time with us. We'll be back uh, uh, with our next show soon. So we hope you'll check us out again. And uh, thank you very much for being a part.